Welcome to the VU Church Podcast. Today, Pastor Rich Wilkerson Jr. continues our collection of talks, This is VU, in the message, Living Large, sharing how to live life with a generous heart. Let's lean into the message together. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you have a Bible, go to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11 is where I want you to turn. So me, 6 p.m., help me out tonight. You can, uh, you can lean in and you can be rowdy and shout and engage and all of our services. Luke chapter 11, we're gonna get there in a moment. Uh, but before we get there, just reminding all of us of where we have been, what we're talking about. Uh, we are in a collection of talks entitled, This is Vu. Another way of just saying it is we're talking about this is us. And the whole point of this collection is to remind our church about the values in which we started this church on. Uh, We began this church a little over six years ago and God has done an amazing, amazing work in our midst. Uh, But I'm just learning over and over again that there's so many new people in our community that don't really know how this story began. And so we're taking time before we get to VU Conference just to remind all of us not to do church, but to be the church. If you just get focused on all the doing, you're gonna get burned out. But if you can remind yourself who you're called to be, that we're called to be the church. How many of y'all know, before the church is a place, it's a people. And I'm grateful for the four walls, I'm grateful for the buildings that God has given us the last few years, but I'm telling you what, our church has never been about brick and mortar. It has been about every living soul that comes and lays down their life and says, we want to carry out a mission together. So we're taking time to talk about values. And if you're taking notes today, I think it's just a really good thought to remember that what you value determines what you do. What you value determines what you do. Values behave like a compass. It it creates direction for your life. And so at VU Church, we're constantly doing different things, but we wanna birth all of those things that we're doing out of the being of who we're called to be. And at VU Church, we have seven different values. You've been hearing about some of them the last couple of weeks. We've talked about Jesus is our message. Uh, Last week, who makes some noise for all of the wonderful women in our house who preached on Mother's Day? Five, five different female preachers last week and they all brought Holy Ghost fire. I mean, like I was like, I'm still, I'm still getting over that, okay? I mean, it's just, it's in me. And they talked about people are hard. Today, I wanna speak about something um, that can be kind of challenging at times in church. I wanna talk about our third value, which is generosity is our privilege. Uh, we've got some others after that. We've got, you heard Paul talking about it today in the testimony video about excellence is our spirit and honor is our calling. Servant leadership is our identity. Passion is our pursuit. We're gonna tackle each and every one of those. But today, I, I wanna speak from the subject of, of generosity being a privilege in God's house. And I, I titled today's message, I think you're gonna like this title. I titled it today, Living Large. Living Large. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, Are you living large? Living large, living large is what I wanna talk about. And what I so enjoy about Jesus, um, there's so many facets to his life and his teaching that compels me. Um, If you cut me open inside, I I wanna be like Jesus. I I wanna do what Jesus did. I wanna walk the way that Jesus walked. And there's so many aspects to who he is that just compel me to give my life to him. But one of the areas that I've always found very fascinating about Jesus is, have you noticed that Jesus has the ability to turn what the world would call the good life upside down? 
Meaning over and over again, he's gonna challenge the perspective and the thinking of the world. For instance, this is what Jesus says about giving. This is Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Watch this. He says this. He says, it is more blessed to give than to, what's the word? Okay, just think about that for a moment. Like this, is, this is a big statement. Jesus is telling you and I, there is a greater blessing in giving than receiving. But if we all like stop, it's an easy moment to go, amen, that's good. Hallelujah, brother. You know, we, we like to say that stuff. But a lot of us, we don't behave this way. Because this kind of sounds maybe like good, but it doesn't always sound smart. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. Uh, if I give, how will I be blessed? I feel like I'm gonna have less than from where I started. In, in fact, this word blessing in the Greek is the word makaria, which literally means happy. So what Jesus is saying is Jesus saying, you're gonna be more happy if you focus on giving instead of receiving. I know it's, it's a bit challenging. And if you're new to church, you're like, this is getting weird, but, but I'm, I'm gonna take you somewhere today. What's amazing is how Jesus would have said things 2000 years ago, but research is just now catching up with Jesus's words. You can find every study right now that researchers and sociologists, they've done so many studies that generous people happen to be happier and healthier. Now, I don't think we need research to confirm Jesus's words, but come on, somebody. It's kind of nice when they start to catch up with what he's already told us. He's saying, you're gonna be happier in the giving, not the receiving. You're gonna be happier in life when you discover that generosity is a privilege. This thing that Jesus says in Acts chapter 20, it's more blessed to give than to receive, I would call it a, a paradox. Um, a paradox is when you read something or hear something and it seems to contradict itself. Uh, the great theologian G.K. Chesterton, I love what he said about paradoxes. He said this, he said, a paradox is a truth standing on its head, waving its legs to get our attention. It's this idea that these two things, they, they don't seem to go together. It seems like it contradicts. How can I be blessed when I give? I should be blessed. I should be happy when I have more, but you're telling me I'm gonna be happier when I actually release? And Jesus is saying, that's exactly what I'm saying. In fact, the entire gospel, everything in the New Testament, the teachings of Jesus over and over again, they seem to be a contradiction. I mean, just the idea like that Jesus, Jesus is all God and all man. That don't really make sense. How about the Bible? The Bible is, uh, it's written down by humans, but it's actually supposed to be divine inspiration. I I'm confused. These things seem to contradict each other. How about just the gospel itself? The gospel is so simple, yet so profound. Simple, but profound. You watch what Paul does as he writes the New Testament. It almost feels like at times he almost like gets some sort of like uh, joy out of pushing the simplicity of the gospel in the face of reason and wisdom in the world. Like when he's talking to the church in Corinth that's full of wise Greeks and all these amazing people, he says, I have resorted to know nothing other than Jesus Christ crucified. Kind of sounds like our first value. He's saying, I'm gonna birth my entire life and build my entire life off of this one thing. Jesus is my message. But then if you watch the life of Paul, he writes most of the New Testament 
And even his writing today, almost every scholar would say he is a literary genius. His writing is deep and profound. It's because he's writing in a paradox form. He's giving you the simplicity of the gospel, which can spread that every person who is uneducated, doesn't matter who they are, they can learn it, they can tell it. But as you go into it, it is deep. It is multifaceted. It has many ramifications for our life. The gospel is a paradox. Joy in suffering purpose in serving. How about this one? Strength in weakness. And the one we're talking about today, prosperity in generosity. Look at what the writer of Proverbs, this is Solomon, this is what he says. This is beautiful. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Listen to this. This is interesting. He's saying that when I give, I'm going to get more. When I serve others, God is going to serve me. When I refresh others, God is going to refresh me. This is so important that you see this because at our church, we challenge people to serve, not because we necessarily need help. It's because we want you to be refreshed. We want you to understand that as you refresh others, as you get outside of yourself, God's gonna refresh you. Look at how Eugene Peterson breaks down this verse. This is the message version. This is so good. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. The world of the generous gets larger and larger and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. What's the writer saying? He's saying, I wanna teach you how to live large. And when I say live large today, by no means am I talking about you accumulating more resources and more wealth. I'm not against you accumulating more of that stuff. When I talk about living large, I'm talking about you stepping into a big, wide, adventurous world that God has created and designed for you to walk in that you would have a big view, that you would walk into big relationships, that you would walk into the world, understand that God is for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? The world of the generous gets larger and larger. As I operate in generosity, my world gets larger. I don't know about you, but I don't necessarily have a goal to be a big church, but I do have a, have a goal for all of us to be a large church, that we have a big heart, a big capacity, a big desire for God to move. I want us to live large, live large. I think a really great illustration is, have you ever watched one of those shows of those people that are hoarders? It's kind of sad to watch, right? But these these people that they get addicted, they find comfort and control by accumulating stuff. Now, how many of y'all know, when you watch one of these shows, it becomes very, very evident. They might have more stuff than you, but they live in a very small world, figuratively and literally. There's some houses they, they can't get anywhere because they have been keeping all of this stuff for themselves. Maybe you're not a literal hoarder of possessions, but maybe you're hoarding forgiveness. Maybe you're hoarding gratitude. Maybe you're hoarding encouragement. Maybe you're hoarding your laughter. You're hoarding your joy. And you think that if you can just maintain and hang on to that stuff, that you're gonna be blessed. But Jesus says, I've come to turn your world upside down. Give, release, 
Be generous and step into a large world. Come on, somebody. Make a little bit of noise today. Living large. Living large. You're called to live in a big world, a large world. You're not called to live in all of your stuff and all of your, oh my goodness, it's getting tight in here. Maybe if your world's getting tight, maybe it's an opportunity to release, to be generous. This is who we're called to be as a church. You say, well, what is generosity? Generosity, one of the definitions that I've worked with for years is simply this. Generosity is giving more than what is required. And I wanna use that as a premise for our church as we talk practically around this practice, this value, that we would be a people that would do more than what is required. Now, why would we wanna be a people that do more than what's required? Because we wanna look like our God. And I have preached so many messages and I have heard so many messages on the sovereignty of God, the holiness of God, uh, the protection of God. You don't hear a lot of sermons on the generosity of God. Newsflash, God is generous. What definition are you working with? I'm working with this definition. God constantly and continually gives us more than what is required. And I think some of us today, we need a new viewpoint and a new perspective of our God. God loves to be generous towards you. I mean, it doesn't take much just to step back and realize this, that he's a generous God. I mean, look at the creation account. I mean, what a generous God. Billions of galaxies, billions of stars. He didn't have to do all that. He just did it. Not one star is made like the other star. They are all unique. I was going through research this week and I was just thinking about his creation. 750 different species of butterflies. That's just generous, yo. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I didn't even know that. I'm, I'm down with one, all the colors. 750 different species of all those colors. 11,000 species of moths. You're like, God, we didn't need all those, but okay. <laughs> 22,000 different species of fish. Oh, I didn't even know that, watch this. 150 different species of roses. Some of you husbands out there. You don't even know about one species. Oh, come on ladies, I need a little more help than that. Come on, somebody. There ain't no excuse. I couldn't find the flowers. Well, you didn't look very hard. 30, this is not a good one, 35,000 different species of spiders. I'm sorry if, you know, arachnophobia, I'm sorry if that's your thing. What I'm trying to get you to see is that God is generous. He's not even just generous to us who are his children. He's generous to those who oppose him. Like every day the sun rises and every day he provides oxygen for us to breathe. He is a God who's given us more than what is required. I wonder how your prayer life would begin to change if you came into God's presence recognizing his nature and his character. You don't have to beg him. You don't have to pull his arm. He loves you, and you can expect that he's gonna continue to be generous towards you. Come on, if you believe it. All of our locations, make a little bit of noise. He's a generous God. Watch this. I'm gonna give you some verses. This is Ephesians chapter one, verse three. Just write some of these down. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, made us happy in Christ 
with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse nine. This is so good. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, this is what I love about God, he will never ask you to do something that he himself is not willing to do. Though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. Come on, I think that deserves a praise break right there. I just, Second Corinthians 9, 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. I love this one. This is James chapter one, verse 17. Every, someone say every. every. Believe this today. Every good gift, every good gift. So everything that you have in your life, everything that you call good, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. What are we seeing here? We are seeing a generous God a God who gives us more than what is required. And of course, it doesn't just stop with creation. It moves all the way into the gospel account. For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. When I didn't deserve it, he said, I'm gonna make you rich. For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. How many of y'all know we didn't deserve Jesus? That wasn't what was required, but God said, it is my nature, it is who I am, I am a generous God. Come on, somebody, give God some praise. There. He's generous, he's generous. Over 25% of Jesus' teaching in the New Testament was in the category of talking about money. Now, when I think about our church history, which is short, I can probably count on my hands how many talks I have given about money at Voo Church. Why is that? Well, because it's weird for you and it's weird for me. <laughs> we have this kind of cringe feeling when money's talked about in church and many reasons, that, that there's a good reasons for that. There's been a lot of abuse. Uh, there has been a lot of uh, manipulation, coercion. Hey, give us $70 and we'll give you 70 blessings. <laughs> you've heard it, yeah, you've seen it, you know. Call right now and here's miracle water. It's like, well, I don't know. Like, you've seen it, you've seen it. And I'm not even trying to be, I'm just going, we, we, this is a coercion. And it's actually nothing new. Um, after our church is here and gone, if Jesus doesn't return, it's gonna, it will continue to happen. There will always be um, good, faithful leaders and there'll be bad actors. Uh, this goes all the way back to the early days of the Catholic Church. They used to sell these things called indulgences, which were like get out of hell cards. Like if you have a family member in hell and you wanna get them out, pay us money and we'll give you, the, it's like literally monopoly. Like I can get out of jail card, okay? So it's been happening forever. And with it, there's sort of like a, an apprehension when you hear it in church. And there's also an apprehension as me as a leader, like, oh, I don't, let's just keep moving forward. Let's just leave that out of our vocabulary. Let's just kind of trust God. But when you think about Jesus' teaching, the fact that he te teaches about it 25% of the time, why? Because he wants to make sure that the people of that hour understand that they are to surrender everything over to God. I was reading some historical accounts about the Knights of Templar. 
These were the knights that would fight in the Crusades, not a popular time in the church as well. But when they would baptize the Knights of Templar, the story was that they would, they would be baptized, but they would keep their sword out of the water. And the picture is of these knights going, God, I'm gonna give you everything but my sword. And it's kind of an easy preaching point to judge them and to go, come on, man, you gotta give him everything, even your sword. But in many ways, when I think about the Knights of Templar, I think that they're just more honest than us. Because a lot of people, even in 2022, they get baptized, but they keep something out of that water. It's like, Lord, you can have my life, but I'm keeping my phone. (laughs) (laughs) Selfie this, right? Like you've been there, you know. (laughs) I got baptized, you know, like. um. And so we live in a world that goes, God, I'll give you everything. God, you can have my heart. God, you can have my dreams. Um, Lord, I I give you my mind. You can definitely have my kids, Lord. Take my kids. Uh, I want your wallet. Whoa, 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 whoa. Not God. Okay, let's just go slow with this relationship. You, you want my wallet? God's saying, I, I want everything because I want you to walk into the real good life. I want you to walk into the blessed life. How many just by a show of hands, you'd say, I want to be blessed in 2022. Where are you at? I want to be blessed. I wanna be blessed. I want God's favor. I want God's touch. I want the happiness that comes from the Lord. Jesus says, I'm gonna tell you the answer. You find that happiness, you get that touch, not in getting, but in giving. So I wanna, there's literally 25% of his teaching refers somewhere to money, but I wanna look at one passage. It's a long intro to get in here, but I wanna look at Luke chapter 11. It's Jesus's teaching on the tithe. We're talking about living large. And once again, if you're a guest today, you're under no obligation. Even if, even if you love food, like there, there's never an obligation. I wanna challenge you. I wanna lead you to the scriptures, but you have to take this to God. I want us to look at Luke chapter 11 because Jesus is gonna teach on the Old Testament principle of the tithe. And I wanna show you what he brings to the table that I think pertains to you and I today. Luke chapter 11, verse 33, this is what Jesus says. Jesus says, no one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come in may see the light. Now, Jesus is giving um, uh, a metaphor here that, he, that he's used many, many different times. Obviously, he's talking 2,000 years ago, so this is before like electricity. This is before the modern day flashlight. He, he's talking about how a house was lit, and the way that that would work is that there was usually a ceramic bowl that had oil in it, and it was lit, and to light a house, was quite an expensive thing. It was very expensive just because the oil in itself. So practically speaking, you wouldn't hide the light once you've spent the money and the function of the light was to illuminate so people could find the house and could could get into the home. And so he's just teaching using this as an illustration. Let's pick up in verse 34. He says this, he says, your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are good, your whole body also is full of light. But when they are bad, your body also is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be completely lighted as when the light of the lamp shines on you. 
Now, as we hear this in 2022, there's a lot taking place in this text. You're like, what is this? This seems very like trying to discover what is this? Is, there, is this a code? What, what, what's he saying? But if you would have been hearing this as a first century Jew, as he was teaching, all of this language right here is metaphorical. It's almost like euphemism, this idea of, of your eye being the gateway into your life. And he, he's really talking about this idea of having either a healthy eye or an unhealthy eye based on the translation. In this translation, it says bad versus good. Uh, but in the NIV translation, he says healthy versus unhealthy. And what you'll discover as you go study the Greek there, there's really two other words that he's using, which is a generous eye versus a stingy eye. So think Proverbs chapter 11, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Jesus is teaching now on this idea of generosity. And he says that generosity begins with your outlook, with your perspective. Some of you, you were here for our mindsets collection. And I talked about a mind shift. And one of the mind shifts that we have to make as people in the kingdom of God is we have to shift our mind from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset. And in many ways, if we're gonna kind of make a, a, a parallel or if we're gonna make a connection to 2022, that's in many ways what Jesus is talking about right now. He's saying, do you have an abundance eye or do you have a scarcity eye? Do you view the world with this perspective that there is plenty to go around? Do you view the world that there's opportunity, that God is the one who gives good gifts, that he's a generous God, that he has never failed me yet, why would he start now? Or do you view the world with this scarcity eye? Anyone like me that you're an 80s baby and you grew up with ducktails? There's some 18 year old like, what is he talking about? Well, you missed out on an amazing moment in history. One of the greatest cartoon sitcoms ever, DuckTales. <laughs> remember Scrooge McDuck? His problem was that he dealt with greed. And remember, whenever he would get greedy, his eyes would go to dollar bills. Ding, you know, he would see stuff. It's funny, many of us, that's where our eyes are. That we're seeing the world from a stingy mindset, which is I must hoard. I must keep, I must get for me and myself. And as I gain and as I get, then I will finally be blessed. Then I will finally have enough to finally be happy. And Jesus is challenging it. He said, it all begins with your eyes. It all begins with your perspective. It all begins with your mindset. How are you seeing the world? It says, is your eye generous or is your eye stingy? I want us to be a church in every aspect that we have a generous eye. Why? Because a candle loses nothing by lighting another candle. We've gotta get this in our spirit that we don't have to, we, we get to. And we're not losing, we're gaining when we choose to be generous. This is what Jesus is teaching about. He's trying to say, yo, the way that you view it, the way that you see it, is your eye good or is your eye bad? Is your eye generous or is your eye stingy? Because if your eye is stingy, your whole life is gonna be stingy. It's gonna rob you and rid you of what I wanna do in your life. But if your eye is generous, all of a sudden you will put out light into the world and you will light others around you. So Jesus gives this teaching, and then what happens in your Bible, if you're opening your Bibles today, you'll probably see a subheader on the next part. But you gotta remember that as these are written, there wasn't subheaders. Like, 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 like when this was written by uh, Dr. Luke, he didn't put a subheader in, he just continues. 
And so the next story that we read is truly an application of Jesus' teaching. Watch what happens. This is Luke chapter 11, verse 37. We're just continuing the text. A little bit of Bible study today. Never hurt anybody. Here we go. So when Jesus had finished speaking, so he'd just gotten done doing his teaching and now he's headed to the courtyard and uh, it says that a Pharisee, this is a religious person who was a teacher of the law, invited him to eat with him. So this Pharisee who's wealthy and big time is like, yo, let's go have a meal over, uh, I don't know where everyone's going to eat today, Root, root and Bone. Um, I don't know, I'm making up, okay. Sports Grill. Okay, stop, we're shouting out stuff, okay. So watch this. So Jesus, he went in and reclined. I always love it, it's always, Jesus is always reclined. Was, uh, all right, so he's reclined at the table. But the Pharisee, noticing that Jesus did not first wash before the meal, was surprised. Really, he's flabbergasted. Really, he's shocked. Other translations give somewhat of his indignation towards Jesus. How dare you not wash? Now, when you read this, this is not like, you know, they were afraid of COVID back then. That's not what was going on. It wasn't, a, it wasn't like a hand-washing thing. Um, this, this washing was what was taking place in that time period right now where they were putting extra burden, extra law on people. There was this teaching in the Pharisee culture at that point that they were literally taking the, the requirements of the priest and putting it on the everyday people that they had to do the ceremonial cleansing, the washing of all of it. And so they're putting this burden. In many ways, this is why Jesus came. Jesus said, hey, I didn't come to break the law. I came to fulfill it. Why did he say that? Because you and I on our best day could never fulfill it. Why does Jesus say, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burden? He's not just talking to 2022 people that are having like mental health issues. He is saying that to them, but he was really speaking to a people who were dealing with the weight of religion, the weight of self-righteousness, the crippling burden of trying to maintain all of these extra laws that God had never designed. So come to me, I'll give you rest. So he's shocked, he's surprised that he's watching. Watch this. Then the Lord said to him, this is Jesus now speaking, now then, you Pharisees, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. So remember, he just gave a teaching on the generous eye versus the stingy eye, and now here comes the application. You're full of greed and wickedness, you foolish people, exclamation mark. I don't want a lot of exclamation marks from Jesus to me, okay? <laughs> Y'all feel me, all right, here we go, all right. Did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But give what is inside the dish to the poor and everything will be clean for you. So this is what Jesus is doing. Jesus is just giving really what he always does. He's teaching and he's saying who you are is more important than what you're doing. He's saying you look good on the outside, but the inside is full of greed. The inside is full of wickedness. He's saying, you clean the outside of the bowl real nice, but the inside of the bowl is real messed up. Um, a lot of you probably watching the news and you've heard there's a formula shortage in the world today or in America today. Um, and praise God, we have formula in the Wilkerson house, um, but we are missing bottles in our house. Um, I don't know what it is, but bottles go missing all the time. And bottles, when you have babies, are currency. You know, it's like um, you can trade with bottles. Bottles like are everything. And I was trying to find a bottle the other day for, uh, for Waylon and I couldn't find one. And somehow I'm in my room and I'm, you know, I don't know what you, I'm, I look under my bed and I see a bottle. I'm like, oh, you know, it's like the golden ticket from Willy Wonka. Oh. <laughs> bottles, bottles, bottles. And so I got this bottle. I'm like, yeah, you know. 
I'm so excited. I'm like, I'm gonna go make a bottle for Wayland. I found a bottle. And as I'm taking it into the kitchen, I open it and I'm getting ready to pour for, and I look in. And the problem is whoever had the bottle before that had not finished the formula when I found it. I don't know how long it'd been under that bed, but the darkness and the time (laughs) had created a level of sin and shame inside of that bottle. (laughs) How many of you know, I did not all of a sudden put new formula in there. No, it would have been unclean. It would not have served its purpose of feeding my daughter. And I wonder how many of us as believers, we look good on the outside, but we haven't done the work on the inside. And so when we want our light to shine bright to a broken and lost world, we're actually shining from a fragmented place. And so Jesus, he's like, yo, you Pharisees, like you're all obsessed with me, like washing my hands and doing this whole thing, but you have, you have lost it. You, you look good on the outside, but the inside is corrupt. The inside has forgotten the value of generosity. And I love Jesus because he doesn't like leave them high and dry. There's a lot of like in the culture today, a lot of criticism and it's just like, that's wrong. But there's like no practical help of what to do next. Jesus doesn't just do that. He doesn't just correct. He corrects with a prescription. He says, why not remember the poor? Why not love others? Why not actually serve the people around you and that will help do a work of cleaning you from the inside out. Look what he says as he continues here. Luke chapter 11, verse 42. This is where it gets real intense. He says, whoa, everyone say, whoa. Like Black, Black Rob, remember Black Rob? Never mind. That's oh, very, like, whoa, there he is. Okay, a few of us. Bad reference for the 9 a.m., but anyways, you get it, you know, <laughs> like, whoa. Okay, so anyways, um, <laughs> not a good reference. All right, um, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it's my high school coming out, you know, and uh, the inside. All right, here we go. He says, whoa, woe to you Pharisees. Woe is not even a word. It's just, it's, it's woe, like, woe to you Pharisees. Because you give God a tenth of all your mint, rue, all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. And this is where we get to the heart of what Jesus is saying. Jesus is going, I wanna give you a better prescription. You're here judging me and you're here looking at me for not washing, but all you're doing is focused on the outside. You're not focused on the inside. What you ought to do is you ought to think about the poor. You ought to think about those that are less fortunate than you. You ought to think about those that are hurting. He's like, man, you're doing a really good job. He literally says, you tithe. He's referencing now Leviticus in the Old Covenant that under the Old Covenant, there's a thing, a practice called the tithe, which is to give a tenth of your income. He says, you guys are doing that. In fact, he gets really specific. He's like, you're, you're, you're tithing on your mint, your rue, and every other gardener. Like, you ever seen mint before? It is the smallest little plant ever. So these guys are doing the deed. I mean, they're tithing on their mint. Like back then, plants were were a form of currency. They're taking the smallest form of mint and they're bringing it to God's house. So they're doing these good works, but he is saying, you have lost it. You've lost the plot. You don't know why you're doing what you're doing anymore. It's great what you're doing on the outside, but you have forgotten what you're called to do on the inside. And he says, really what you got to do is you actually have to love people. You actually have to do things in an act of love and an act of generosity. Watch this. He says, you should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. 
Jesus is not discounting the tithe. His answer to them is not to do less. His answer to them is to do more. To do more. He said, you got so focused on the act that it robbed you of the premise which was always about generosity. What is generosity? To do more than what is required. But these guys are religious about the requirement and they're missing the greatest heart behind it, which is generosity. And what is generosity then? If I'm tithing, does that mean that I'm generous? And the answer is no, it doesn't mean you're generous. Generosity is giving more than what's required. What's the requirement? Now I wanna put my heart, now I wanna put my love behind it. He's coming to the motivation and the intention as to why you do what you do. Just because you serve doesn't mean you're a servant. Just because you give a tithe doesn't mean you're a real giver. He's saying you guys are tithing better than anybody. You're tithing on your mint and your herb, but you are forgetting about justice and love and mercy. He's saying be generous. His entire challenge in Luke chapter 11 is that we would be people of generosity, that we would do it with a heart of love. Why? Because the famous saying is this, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. I can give you something without loving you, but if I love you, I have to be generous towards you. I have to be generous towards you. Jesus is challenging the Pharisees that if you want to get a hold of the inside, you must actually put into practice, not just an action, but a heart behind the action. And I think today, as we come to a close around this idea of living large, I, I wanna just give you four practices, I can give you some more, to help us put our love into action in our community. This whole collection is about, this is us. This is who we're called to be as a church. This is not a collection for the entire world. This is a collection for those that are part of VU that wanna fulfill this mission, that we're called to be people of generosity. And there's just a few things that I would say to us that if you wanna start putting your generosity into action, here's some practices for you. Practices don't create the change. Practices just put us on the road for where the change can happen. I wanna make sure that I'm constantly cleaning the inside out and my motivation and my why is crystal clear. Here's one practice. The first practice is the practice I would call first fruits. This is a, this is a practice that is all throughout the Old Testament. Here's a little thought on generosity and money in the Bible, the creation story account. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Go back and read it. God is giving, God is giving, God is giving, God is giving. He's given us livestock, he's given us water. He's giving us, he's giving us. He's a generous God. Gave us all those species, he's, he gave us Eden. But then what happens? All of a sudden you get to Genesis, Genesis chapter three and the scripture says that Eve, what did she do? She took, she took the fruit. And right away you see a change in the narrative from a giving God to a taking people. And as she takes, sin enters the equation and as we know, sin enters the equation. The whole entire story begins to change for you and I. The next story in the Bible is Genesis chapter four. Some of you know this story. It's the story of Cain and Abel. It's amazing. The first sin in the Bible was eating fruit. The second sin in the Bible is homicide. Cain kills his brother. Why? Because sin grows and compromise, it grows. Like that bottle that sits under my bed in the dark. If it's not brought into the light, if it's not cleaned out, it festers, it molds, it gets worse. The story of Cain and Abel is a beautiful story about two brothers 
Cain and Abel, who would bring offerings to God. And the scripture says that Abel would take the first fruits of his crops. This is where we get this teaching. Meaning that as soon as he would get his crops, he, he, he didn't wait for the leftovers. He took the first and he offered it to God. Cain, on the other hand, was measuring out. And as you read the story, to me, the way you interpret it is that it's a story about a heart posture towards God. That first fruits, I still think is an important practice that we would get into our spirit that as I give towards God, I'm giving him the first, not the second, not the third. I'm not gonna pay every one of my bills. I'm not gonna take care of all of my stuff and say, what's left over? Now, God, let me give you something that's left over. No, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. It's amazing what happens when you put God first. First fruits are rooted in gratitude and trust. So I think when we give with first fruits in mind, what we're saying is we're saying, God, I'm thankful. I'm keeping a generous eye. I'm keeping a perspective that God, everything that I have, you gave it to me. I wanna be generous with every blessing you've given me. I wanna live in a large world, in a big world, but it doesn't stop there. It's also an act of trust. I'm trusting God that if you did it back then, you'll do it again. I'm trusting that as I put you first, God, I'm not gonna come in second. I'm trusting God as I honor your house, you're gonna honor my house. God, I'm trusting as I honor the kingdom, Lord, that you are gonna establish a firm foundation for me. It's gratitude and trust. I would say one practice is consider first fruits. Another practice is what I call percentage giving. Percentage giving. Um, what happens there is that Cain and Abel, there's, there's, a, there's a murder, it's a crazy story, and um, the, kind of the next person on the scene that we see who's very, very significant in the Genesis account is this guy by the name of Abraham. A lot of you, you, you know the story, hopefully, of Abraham. He's the father of our faith, uh, the father of Judaism. God picks him pretty much out of obscurity and says, I'm gonna bless those that bless you. I'm gonna curse those that curse you. And Abraham is called to leave his home and country and go to a new place. And it's really a beautiful story. But we see in Genesis I don't know what chapter, maybe 20 or so, that as Abraham starts to step out and trust God, Abraham is the first picture we have of someone making what we call a tithe. Some of you are new to church. I remember I had a friend come in for a while. He's like, man, I gotta, I gotta do that tithe thing. I go, what's that? He goes, I gotta put a tithe in. I was like, like laundry detergent? What are we talking about, you know? I was like, I think you mean, you mean tithe, which, which, which means a tenth. And once again, if you're new to church, if you're new to faith, you're like, this is crazy what you're talking about right now. But a tithe is an Old Testament principle that begins with Abraham. Before there was a law, before there was a covenant, Abraham encounters this man by the name of Melchizedek. Melchizedek, as we discover, is a form of Jesus Christ. He's a priest and he's also a king. And Abraham, not because somebody told him to, not because there was a law against it, but rather because his intention was pure and he was generous, he gave a tenth of his income over to the priest. It's beautiful because it predates the law. It is a principle in God's house that we see happen over and over and over again. And from there, we discover in Deuteronomy that there is a thing called the tithe, which people were commanded. And as you actually study it, it's actually much more than a tenth. It was closer to 23% of what they were giving because there's different things that they gave to. You say, Rich, is the tithe still apply today? And does it matter today? And I think my word of encouragement to all of us in this room is I actually don't know the answer to that. I think as you study the New Testament, what you'll find out over and over again is that those that were living in the New Testament church, they gave far above and beyond a tithe. They would give everything. 
I'm not suggesting that you should give everything. I just think that if you're asking the question, does the tithe still apply today? And you're thinking about it from the angle of, I don't wanna participate, something might be wrong with your eye. And so I call it percentage giving because like maybe like you're here today and you're like, dude, I've been coming to church for like a year and I am down with Jesus and I do wanna like not just, I want, I, want, I want to bring my sword down as well, but like, that's a lot, man. I don't know where to begin. I would just say, begin where you are. That's what nobody told me in church. Like, begin where you are. I think what the mistake is, is to always give from a leftover place and to always give from a feeling place or a manipulation place. Or the next time I preach this message in four years, like, yeah, maybe I'll, no. Make a decision to say, I actually wanna start putting my giving into action and I wanna give with generosity, percentage giving. Give something. I know some people that believe in a graduated tithe. My wife and I, this is where we're working in our life, that we wanna be above 10%. It's not a religious act for us. It's a practice that we are focused on to say, God, we wanna be people of generosity. We wanna live in a large, large world. I'd say first fruits, I'd say percentage giving, tithing, some of you could consider doing that. Some of you, you've been part of the church for a long time, you've received a lot, like contribute some way, somehow. You're part of the mission. Say, I wanna I want participate, I, I wanna give. The third thing I would say is this idea of, of a blessing fund. This is just fun, that I think that after you, you're tithing and you're giving to God's church, I think that it's good if we're gonna be people of generosity, have a blessing fund. And I don't know what that looks like. That might look like $25 a month for you. That might look like $100 a month for you. That might look like $1,000 a month for you. But just money set aside for when little opportunities pop up that you can be generous, that you can, you can be a person of generosity. Maybe you're not there financially right now, but you can do the same thing when it comes with your time, when it comes with your talents, when it comes with your words. The other day, I was sitting outside and this car pulled up and uh, they rolled down the window and it was an old woman in the back. She's like in her 70s. And she said, son, do you know where the Greyhound station is? And I was like, yeah, it's right over there. She goes, thank you. My, 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 you are so handsome. <laughs> I said, thank you. You know, thank you, thank you. I don't care if it comes from a 72-year-old woman or not, bro. It changed my day. <laughs> Just a little bit of generosity. Just a little bit of generosity. The other night, Don Shree and I, we were on a date on a Friday night. We were out having food and um, a little Friday night date action. You know how we do. And uh, <laughs> one species of rose. And uh, we were walking to the restaurant and we saw some of our friends. They're in church. Andrew and his wife, Justine and Janelli's and KC. They were on a double date, the former, guys, what's up? But we happened to go in the same restaurant. We walked past and we sat down. DC and I had a beautiful meal and a beautiful time together. And all of a sudden the bill came. And when the bill came, they said, hey, somebody took care of it for you. I said, I got a good idea who took care of it for us. What is it? Are these people uber wealthy and uber like at the top? No, they're just generous people. And they just give generously and it, it changes. It can start for you with a compassion child. That's what DC and I do. It can start with you supporting uh, foreign missions. Something above, just going, start somewhere, be generous. You're not gonna come in second. You're gonna find yourself walking into blessing. I would say first fruits, you guys can help me out. You, I would say percentage giving, I would say blessing fun. And lastly, here's a good one, radical gifts. Radical gifts, radical gifts. So for us, it's, it's customary in our church that only once a year, there's no like 
offering coming, by the way, at the end of the service. There's not gonna, we're not like, pass the containers. Like, oh God, like it's not, you're good. Everyone relax. Oh, okay. You know, like, it's, you know, sign me up. No, it's none of that. But once a year, we have, we have an annual offering and it's just a custom, like, it's always attached to cool projects, but it's, it's more than, it's about a heart. You know, a couple of years ago, we bought a building in Design District. Don't you know, we wrote the largest check we've ever written. I'm not saying that out of arrogance or pride. I'm just going, it was a radical gift. God spoke to us. Like, we gotta do this. I'm telling you what, it built my faith. I'm not less than today, I'm more than. I'm not less happy, because I don't have that. I, I'm, 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 I'm more than happy, I'm glad. We get, to, we get to do radical things. I just wanna be a church that when God says to do something radically, I wanna be a pastor and a leader says, go for it. Trust God, he'll speak to you to do challenging and radical things from time to time. Obey, obey, obey. I was in crew on Monday night. I love our crew. Shout out to everyone in my crew. And we were having a beautiful discussion and there's a a guy in my crew, I'll I'll spare his name, but he was just talking about his mom and he grew up in a home where his parents had split up. And in many ways now today, he's like the only man in his mom's life. And it was Mother's Day week and he just, he knew his mom was driving kind of a bad car and he just kind of felt bad about it. He just heard the Lord speak to him like, you need to get her a brand new car. And he kind of, he kind of tells the story like, yeah, at first I was like, nah, that can't be God. That's like, I must've eaten some weird pizza or something. <laughs> Why would God ever want me to be that generous? Isn't that funny whenever God speaks about generosity, you're like, no, it's not God. Who else is it? You think it's the devil? I've got a plan for their life. I'm gonna make them so generous they have nothing. <laughs> like, it's not the devil. Not the devil. So he's like, whatever. So he's like, all right. You, know, you, ever, you ever like obey God, but you're mad? Like, all right, God. You know? like, he starts going to dealership to dealership and goes to 10 different dealerships. Finally, he walks into one and he's able to buy a car and he brings it to his mom. And he just said, as he brings it to his mom, her mom, his mom just begins weeping and crying. It's like, that's radical generosity. But I'm telling you what, who in that story is more blessed? His mom or him? Something tells me he walks out of that place going, I'm happy today. I'm blessed today. I'm blessed. What a privilege I get to give like that. Luke chapter five is this beautiful story of the early disciples and they're out fishing. They're fishermen, it's their job. They have a really bad night of fishing. They don't catch any fish, just failure. Just all night, nothing. Jesus walks up on the scene. Guys, try the other side. These guys are like, what? Try the, we've been out here all night. Other side. One word from Jesus, one act of obedience. Put the net on the other side. And the scripture says there is so much fish that the nets begin to break. They have to call other boats. Whoa, 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 whoa. We can't contain the blessing. And the scripture says that they get to the shore. Now think about this. Fish are a form of currency. This is their money. And the scripture says that when they get to the other side and they get to the shore, they leave the fish and they leave the nets, and we say, we're following you wherever you go. It is a picture of radical generosity.
We're grateful. We're grateful to leave all that behind to follow you. Because in getting you, I get everything. I thought about it this way. If the success humbles you, failure will never destroy you. And as God blesses me, as my nets are breaking, as fish are flopping, I don't walk out going, look at my stuff in this big world. Instead, I go, he's called me to live large. And this success and this blessing, it humbles me because God's just calling me to be a conduit of his blessing. Living large, living large. God's called you to live large, be generous. And I close with a verse that rarely gets quoted at this church because I think it's been one of the most abused scriptures in church. So you won't hear a lot of people share a lot, not because it's not good, it's very, very good. People manipulate it and use it. And I wanna make sure when I'm teaching on it for a moment, you hear it from the right context. Prophet Malachi, he writes in Malachi chapter three, verse 10. He says, bring the full tithe. And I like the idea of full. Don't think about it from, think about what God's called you to do and think about a heart of generosity. I'm not just doing the act, I'm bringing my heart and my love. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, the church, God's house, God's people, that there may be food in my house. Teaching the word is food. Jesus said, Peter, feed my sheep. He didn't mean go get five loaves and fish. He said, start sharing my word. That's what we're doing today. I know a lot of you are going to brunch or to dinner tonight, but before you go and get all of your physical food, you've come today and you're getting spiritual food. How are we able to give spiritual food? Because people are generous. People bring in and the storehouse is full of food and we just keep sharing the food. And thereby put me, watch this, to the test, says the Lord of hosts if I will not open windows of heaven for you and pour down, here's the word again, you a blessing until there is no more need. There's a promise and there's a premise. Promise is I have a large world, one that I'm opening the windows. You don't have to be a hoarder. You don't have to live in this tight space. Open up the windows, but you can't open up the window yourself. What opens up the window is generosity. And when you give and you're generous, God opens up a window and he begins to pour out blessing upon you that when you look around, you have everything that you need. I got everything that I need. God takes care of me. You might want more. You might want more, but you don't need more. You know it's true and I know it's true. I don't need more. I might want it, but I don't need it. So God, I put you to the test. And here's my challenge for living large. This is the one verse in the Bible where God says, test me. So I'm just quoting God. You test him. You test him, Boo Church. Don't test me. You're not giving to me, but you test him. See what God begins to do in your life. See what God does in your family. See what God does in your business. See the opportunities. And when those opportunities come, when the blessing comes, just be wise to go, wait a minute, the success, it humbles me. Because there's gonna be difficult days, but that failure will not destroy me because there is a God who's been gracious and generous. I'm gonna connect the dots. This promise that I'm receiving is connected to this premise of me obeying his word. Put God to the test. Put God to the test. In our church, we always have a moment, usually in the middle of the service, to encourage people to be generous. And I just thought today, no containers are coming, but 
I decided at the end of the service today that I challenge you to be generous. Lots of ways that you can give, lots of ways you can be a part of the mission here. Those that are watching online, Vu friends and family, you can go to vuchurch.com slash online. You can text the word Vu to 77977. I say all that to say, because some of us, this is a season and an hour. You've been coming to this church for a while. You won't hear another mess like this for a couple of years. Put God to the test. See what God does in your life. I have received. And so freely I've received, now freely I give. The happiness, the blessing, it's not in the getting. It's in the giving, and it's in the giving that I live large. Do you believe it today? Come on, can we give God praise? Thank you for listening to today's message. At VU, we believe we weren't meant to do life alone. We've been created with a unique purpose and designed to live in relationship with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to Him, we wanna create an opportunity for you to do so today. If you wanna say yes to Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I trust you with my past. I ask that you guide me in my present and I even place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made the decision to follow Jesus today, we wanna partner with you in the next steps on your faith journey. Go to vuchurch.com slash online. We love you.